The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Alrighty, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blogronis podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by our old friend over at Black, White, and Read All Over, Danny Penza. Danny, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, better than both of our football teams. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> tomorrow's match is going to be one that is uh, definitely marred by injuries, both um, physical and, well, I, I guess COVID-19 is technically physical. Um What's the current Juventus COVID injury situation looking like? Because I read y'all's recap from your draw over the weekend. Um, I, I found it funny. Your Twitter account was being pretty trolly with all the draws you've gone through recently. Um, what's the current COVID and injury situation for Juventus heading into this week's match? I'll do COVID first since that's the shorter one. Uh, pretty much it's just Ronaldo. Uh, what's the McKinney? Was given the all clear late last week, I believe on Friday. So he is, uh, he is healthy and good to go. Uh, he was an unused sub over the weekend against Hellas Verona. Uh, Ronaldo, um, I know we've had some people going, what's taking so long? But as we know from Paulo Dybala, just because you aren't suffering symptoms for any certain amount of time, it doesn't mean that you're no longer infected with the virus. So... Uh, Dybala, it took him around two months to finally test negative. Obviously, I'm not saying that's going to be Ronaldo's case, but you know, it, it can, it can take a little while for you to finally shed the virus fully. So, uh, you know, which is just so unfortunate. And like, you know, you hope on the return leg, yeah. um, he, you know, recovers and everything's good. And he doesn't have any, um, after effects, from the virus, but um, obviously you want to be precautious. But it, it is, you're right. You, you do often forget um, just because someone's asymptomatic doesn't necessarily mean they get rid of the virus quicker. Because I think when he first came back positive, it was, I guess it's been like two weeks now. It was just kind of yeah. assumed like, oh, he's going to be good for Barca, but um, he's still obviously not good for Barca. So what about the physical injury situation? Uh, physical injury situation is a little bit dicier from our point of view. Uh Especially in defense. I mean, Giorgio Chiellini, unfortunately, I mean, I love the guy, but his body has just failed him the last couple of years. Uh, he came up lame, obviously, against uh, Dynamo Kiev with an injury. Um, Juventus lately has pretty much been calling everybody day to day, so it's hard to say how long somebody might actually be out for. So uh, Chiellini has been technically day to day for about, four or five days now. Uh, Leonardo Bonucci had to come off injured uh, over the weekend. He is technically day-to-day. Matthias Delict is still recovering from off-season shoulder surgery. Say that three times fast. Um, He is close, but barring any 
miracle he probably won't be available for Wednesday's game, but you never really know with him since he is a physical freak. Um, Alexandro, he has been out. He was tight. He was supposed to be out for a couple weeks. That was a month ago. So that's defense. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a long list, and that means that uh, Mary Demerol is technically Juventus's only healthy center back. So, cool. Uh, so that should be it, interesting. Yeah, uh, that that's probably my biggest thing going into the game is what the heck Andrea Pirlo is going to do in defense. And uh, yeah, I mean it. It's it's uh, whew, yeah. I don't I don't envy his his decisions at all. But uh, so. And I, I have in my notes the statement, like both Barca and Juventus are rediscovering themselves. Barca because they were forced to. Juventus, I'm not really sure why. So summarize Juventus' season on the pitch so far this season. Uh, you know, it, it's different from last season where, you know, we had a manager in Mauricio Sarri who very much had his system, was very much set in his ways. You know, he was kind of kind of like Mr. Magoo. He was, you know, the grumpy old man who, you know, didn't want to change and stuck with what he wanted to do, even though his squad didn't necessarily work for what he wanted to do. Whereas Adria Pirlo is the complete unknown. And, you know, we're we're five games in and Juventus has uh three draws, two wins, and one of those wins is a forfeit win over Napoli because they didn't show up due to COVID-19. So it's, you know, I, I get why people are frustrated because the bar is set so high during the Ronaldo window, but it's also you're you're dealing with a rookie coach who has never managed before, who was promoted to uh, the senior team managerial level after being named the under 23 manager after, and he was only in that job for about a week. So you throw, and then you throw in the fact that he only had a couple weeks for preseason before the, the season started because coronavirus throwing everything off kilter. And, you know, this is, this is still very much an experimental period for Pirlo yet. It's also, you know, now there's Champions League and there's a truncated schedule. I mean, Juventus is playing seven games in 23 days coming out of this most recent international break. So uh, it's it's a lot to, to deal with both in terms of trying to rotate your squad, but also figure out which squad works for you. And you've got all the injuries and you've got coronavirus. And it's just, it's been a an interesting mix of everything that Pirlo has had to deal with and on top of it, the team isn't getting results. So yeah, so yeah, taking the temperature of the Juventus. Well, taking the temperature. I guess everyone's getting their temperature taken. Um, <laughs> for, for 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 lack of a better term, t- taking the temperature of the Juventus fan base. Do you think their patience will line up with the like kind of everything you just laid out? Right, where like these first few weeks have kind of been like the preseason for Pirlo, and unfortunately, like they're playing Barcelona tomorrow. Um, and th- they can't afford to have lackluster results in the Champions League. Um, is the Juventus fan base going to be as patient with Juventus as they probably need to be? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Um, 
I tend to be more of the um, kind of wait and see, ask you know, kind of section of the fan base. I mean, I I've always been more optimistic than pessimistic as compared to a lot of people, at least in our comment section. So uh, take that. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying people in the comment section aren't always necessarily (laughs) the most level-headed about things? Yeah, take take that for however you want. But uh, I mean, I was. I was talking with somebody else about this exact same thing a, a week or so ago. And, and I, I described it as, you know, you kind of figured with Sari that his, the history of his teams is that they get better as the season went on. So last year we kind of always tempered everything with, okay, it might be bad in October, November, December, but January, February, March, and, you know, obviously the, the shutdown screwed that whole timetable up, but, if things would click, it would be the second half of the season with Pirlo. I mean, I've never remembered a time during my Juventus fandom worse. Everything is so much game to game simply because we don't know anything about Andrea Pirlo as a manager before, you know, the middle of August. So, um, yeah, I, it's just, it's, it's so much on a, we're, we're just learning so much about what Pirlo is with each game, with each, you know, with each interview he gives, I mean, it's just, it's, it's complete 180 from where Juventus were with Saudi, where, you know, the, the manager had his ideas. He was, he was very steadfast in his his ideas where Pirlo, you know, he's, he's throwing in a wrinkle yesterday where he might be expecting, um, Hellas Verona to press. So he moves Leonardo Bonucci up into the midfield to, to give another you know option to to pass out of the back instead of keeping Benucci in the middle of the back three, and it's just it, it it's you know he he he's tinkering with things, but also trying to get this three four one two to to stick. And I you know I commend him for that, but um, you know the injury situation is what it is. Obviously, you've got you know one of your two best players out with with COVID right now, so um, it it's not an ideal situation by any means. And then you throw in the fact that Pirlo has been a manager for all of two months now. So uh, he's very much learning on the job in a very, you know, and he's on or he's under the microscope, you know, even more so than than he was a couple of months ago. So all the stuff you mentioned about Pirlo kind of learning as, you know, learning as he goes, he's kind of figuring himself out as a manager as time goes. And you also earlier in our conversation mentioned the Ronaldo window, which is very much a thing, right? Like you have prime, well, maybe like a little bit post-prime, but still it's like LeBron James, right? Like what is his post-prime? Ronaldo's the same way. Um, You have this window with Ronaldo. Is Pirlo the right guy for this version of Juventus? It's, (laughs) It's hard to say because we just, we've barely seen Ronaldo with him. I mean, he was, it was what, two two actual games and then the Napoli game that never happened, even though it, it technically happened. And then he got COVID. So you don't, you know, the sample size is two games. And as much as people are trying to, you know, get a read off of Pirlo with such a small sample size already, the sample size is even smaller with Pirlo and Ronaldo. So, um, you know, who knows, you know, if, if this, you know, three, four, one, two is going to stick, who knows if, getting Ronaldo to be a striker who plays more centrally like, you know, Morata has been 
will will stick. I mean, who knows how Ronaldo and Dybala will play off each other in Pirlo's formation will look like what they did with Saudi, which, you know, had some good results for them personally, not necessarily for, <laughs> for the team's overall, you know, level of performances, but yeah, I, I don't know that it's, I wish I could tell you more, but it's really just kind of TBD at this point because we just haven't seen much of it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess maybe that's my point. Like it's a strange, it's a strange TBD to like be pondering at this point because yeah, I don't know. Maybe like it's a roll of the dice worth doing something. And like, that's the Barcelona problem, right? Is, is Kuman just another guy that is going to be here for a year. And then when they don't win the champions, League, like, it's just going to get sacked. Um, and maybe Juve, because the, I guess so like bar from the Barca side, right before Kuman was hired, the conversation was like, if Xavi even wanted to come is now the right time to bring someone like him on board when, um, you know, Messi's influence at the club is still super like very influential, even maybe it's not as influential as he or others hopes it would be like, is, is this the time where you bring in a guy like Xavi? Um, who who you really want to succeed, right? Like he's not a throwaway guy. Same thing with Pirlo. Um, like you're you're really rooting for him to succeed, and I guess it's an interesting take on things to bring in someone like Pirlo when you're not really resetting. When like you are in the, it's kind of considered a failure if we don't win the Champions League this year to some extent, right? Like I mean, I guess they could still get to like the semifinals and win um, Syria, and people would say, like, ah, Pirlo, season one, like, great. But at the end of the day, that's the same result Juve have had for the last few years, um, for the most part. And I don't know. I It's very interesting because I think Barca and Juve both made different decisions. Barca and Xavi, you know, whatever you believe, decided not to pursue things this early on, and um, Juve and Pirlo decided that, you know, now was the time to give it a go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely something... We've discussed a lot on our podcast, just kind of the the uh, trying to get into the mind of the front office as to why they went in the parallel direction. I mean, we were <laughs> we were recording when the reports came out that Pirlo was going to be named manager, so you can probably guess <laughs> what kind of twenty four hour swing that was to Saudi being sacked, which was, I think, you know, a surprise to to a lot of us because we just thought. Um, you know, Juventus had committed a three-year contract to him, and obviously finances are what they are these days. So, um, who knows if they were willing to really pay it? But then to go in the completely different direction, where you're hearing all these experienced managers being thrown out there, and then here comes Pirlo with his week's worth of experience with the under twenty-three team, and he's suddenly given the the keys to the to the car and. It's like, all right, all right, dude, here, here you go. So, but yeah. I, and the car I, he I, got was a really nice one. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's a nice <laughs> one, but it's also a flawed one. And that's, that's kind of where I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, at least for me, it's kind of, you know, still wait and see what he can do. Talking a little bit about the, um, the other candidates that were up for the Juve job, was Conte the guy you wanted or just the guy that was assumed to be, the possible candidate because of the history. Well, I mean, there's obviously that, that link there, but um, you know, it, it, there wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a great breakup when he left, uh, left after uh, three years last time. So plus he's at inner now. So that adds it 
to adds to the thing. And the guy who hired him at Juventus is now managing the front office at Inter in Beppe Marotta. So you have that natural relationship. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was a cast of characters thrown out there. I mean, you know, is it Pochettino? Is it, could Juventus really just surprise everybody and bring Allegri back a year after they sacked or they decided to part ways with them? Uh, yeah. I it, And then all of a sudden here comes Pirlo. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think as we we've said on our podcast, you, we kind of, we've gotten the impression that Pirlo was always kind of the guy down the road, but we didn't figure that that road would be <laughs> hap- We wouldn't be going down that road so quickly. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, Juventus would have hired somebody for the, for the short term and then given Pirlo a little more ser- seasoning with the under 23 side in, in Serici. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, w- we definitely were taken aback when Pirlo was hired just because, you know, it, it's such a, such a risky move. So talking a bit about the match this week, um, this is one of the more difficult uh, matchups. And, you know, these two clubs have a Champions League history, obviously. Um, but when two clubs of this caliber face off, usually you have some idea of what to expect. Um, <laughs> and I think kind of like it was previewing the Classico last week, um, there wasn't really, like, there wasn't much expectation. Both teams were kind of coming in a little cold. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Real Madrid were the the far better team. Um, same thing sort of heading into this match. I don't really know what to expect. I, I think if both teams were healthy, I, I would make Juve kind of the considerable favorite. But like you talked about at the start of the podcast, uh, Juventus' backline is decimated. So is it even possible for you to begin to formulate an idea of what you expect to happen on Wednesday? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, maybe if Juventus had a couple uh, central defenders healthy, but if Bonucci is out, um, I really don't know where Pirlo would go other than having to really change up his formation. And, you know, we've, we've seen Juventus within games, you know, Juventus is very much either three, four, one, two, or three, four, three in attack. And then they have for a lot of the time dropped into four, four, two defending or some, some variation of that. And I would think it, it would have to be a four man backline. If Bonucci isn't available, hell, even if he is available, it might be a four man backline at this point, knowing who's healthy, but yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know what to expect knowing that, you know, there's no Ronaldo. There's barely any defenders who are healthy. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the squad list for what Juventus posted on social media over the weekend for the Hellas match and you know, defenders are tiny and then the list of midfielders is lengthy. And then there's four forwards and two of them were youth, youth players. So it, it's just, (laughs) it's just a a situation where Pirlo really is just stretched thin at a lot of different places. And uh, I, I really don't, I, I was optimistic maybe say a few weeks ago, but now I'm just like, I, I just, just get out of it. You know, maybe a draw will be the best Juventus can muster. And at this point I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. And I mean, from the Barcelona side, like the, like, obviously you hate to lose a Classico, um, 
this one was particularly hurtful for Barcelona just because, you know, Coutinho is now hurt heading into the uh, Juve match. And he had been someone who had been impressing, kind of looking like his older self. Um, the influx of youth has been nice, right? With Des, Pedri, and uh, Fatsi all, you know, getting starts in that match. But it was like, as it was put kind of in our, our talking points, like Kuman went all Kike Setien in the second half and didn't really sub anyone on until the 80th, 81st minute, I think, when he brought on three players with, you know, you could do worse than bringing on Usman Dembele and Antoine Griezmann in the 80th minute. But um, I think it'll be interesting to see Barcelona's flexibility in this match and how they choose to attack a decimated Juve backline because, like, <laughs> Barcelona aren't, aren't, uh, they don't have a lack of attacking options. They're just figuring out which ones work with with others. And, um, you know, to see Kuman not rotate quicker in El Clasico was a bit discouraging. So hopefully uh, from the Barca side, they, um, you know, they, they stay flexible and stay willing to make changes as opposed to just kind of sitting still. So, yeah, like you said, I have no idea what to expect. Um, I think if Barcelona are going to beat Juventus, like this is, uh, this is the time to do it. So, um yeah, there we go. I, I I guess if I was forced to give a prediction, I would say like two one Barca. But I I just don't feel good about it because I feel I feel like I'd be a horrible Barca podcast host if I picked a, <laughs> a Juventus team that's as injured as this to beat Barcelona. But I'm just not yeah. confident in Barcelona at all right now. So I, I could see anything happening. Yeah, no, I I I'd probably lean like two two or so. That's kind of my gut feeling. I mean, Juventus's defense has been better than last season i mean you can't really get much worse than it was seeing as i believe they were the the scudetto winners to allow the most goals since 1960 something so take that how you want in terms of well sorry won a title in his only season yeah well (laughs) look how the team actually played so um yeah i i i think you know, you mentioned the Kuman being able to kind of mix and match in terms of his attackers. And I think that's what, you know, maybe at the beginning of the international break, a lot of people were looking to, to this stretch of games for because Juventus have a lot of mid or bottom table teams on the schedule outside of Lazio and Lazio aren't what they were last season. So it was like, okay, how would Ronaldo work in with Dybala? How would Ronaldo work with Morata? How would Pirlo really try and juggle those three. And then as we've seen, Dejan Kulusevsky is an absolute stud. So he needs to play. How would he work all of those pieces in together? And now you look at it and Dybala is just back from injury and a stomach virus he had during the international break. So he couldn't play with Argentina. Obviously Ronaldo's out. Morata is playing great right now. You know, he's probably been the early season MVP for Juventus, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, all, all the things you think of two weeks later, they're just completely not possible. So, um, so goes the life of a Juventus fan, I guess. Yep. So, everyone, check out Black, White, and Read All Over for your Juve news leading up to the match. The Old Lady Speaks podcast, which is just a great podcast name. I especially like your, I think your most recent episode was Euro Step Forward, uh, which I which I found clever and, and nice. Um, so, check out that podcast. I'm sure, are you guys going to record before or after the match this week? We, with the schedule being like it is, we usually go uh, record after every other match. We're re- recording either uh, Wednesday night or Thursday, some point since all of us are uh, 
are here in the here in the U- good old U.S. of A. There you go. So check out the podcast to hear, uh, you know, hear them make excuses if Barcelona win, like you know these injuries, right? Like we had no chance, or if yes. they win, then you know it's going to be, it's just going to be like Pirlo is a miracle worker. Like how do we beat, <laughs> you know, Kuman's standing tall Barcelona with this injured backline? So it's going to be good stuff, Danny. Thank you for joining me as always, and uh, we will chat in the future. Thank you, and permission to use that as my opening for the podcast next, yeah. next time, if that's okay with you. I love it. I love it. Okay. Okay.